Well, good morning. If you have your Bibles, if you would turn with us to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. What a God we serve. Amen? Hey. Living He loved me. Dying He saved me. Woo. Hallelujah. Carried my sins far away. Rising He justified. Free me forever. Anybody glad that you're free? From all that guilt and shame and condemnation. It's wonderful. Be free. Because of the blood of Jesus. There's nothing else. What can wash away my sins? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> nothing but the blood of Jesus. But I assure you, that blood can do the job. Amen? That blood can wash you whiter than snow. That blood can reach into the guilt and the shame and the areas of our psyche that the psychiatrist can't even see and cleanse you and wash you and make you brand new. Woo! The blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, what a God we serve. We want to talk this morning a few minutes titled Conquering Sheep. Conquering Sheep. Because of God's great love for you and I, we are conquering sheep. You, you see, as a Christian, you are blessed. You are blessed. I mean, you, the assurance of salvation, the privilege of redemption, all because God so loved us that He sent His Son to Calvary's cross. And on that cross, He purchased our salvation. And the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians, he said it like this, that He became poor that we might become rich. Rich in faith and rich in eternal life. Rich in the glories of salvation. And our text expresses that. And we just want to walk through our first few verses and comment. Then we'll dig into our main text. But Romans 8, and you see verse verse 31, it begins with, What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Amen? So right there, there's a blessing of salvation. For the child of God, there's no humiliation. No defeat for the child of God. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, victory is our destiny in Christ. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. No humiliation. Know what a blessing that is. But you know what? More than that, there's no deprivation. Look at verse 32. Paul says, you know, He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also along with Him graciously give us all things? What a blessing of salvation. I mean, um, we are not deprived of anything that we need to live this life. If when we were sinners, God gave His ultimate, God gave His best for us, how much more now that we're His children will He give us everything we need to fight this good fight of faith, to finish this race, to keep the faith, no humiliation, no deprivation. I got good news for someone. There is no accusation. If you belong to Jesus, look at verse 33. Who will bring a charge or an accusation against those whom God has chosen? God's the one that justifies. Who can accuse us if God's forgiven us? Who can accuse us if God has said justified in my sight? Who can accuse us if Jesus has paid the price for us, and He's chosen us. And not only is there no accusation, praise God, verse 34, there is no condemnation 
for those that are in Christ Jesus. Who is He that condemns? Christ Jesus who died. More than that, was raised to life. He's at the right hand of God. He's interceding for us. Paul goes on to say, as a child of God, you are rich in salvation. There's no humiliation. Instead, there's victory for your life. There's no deprivation. Instead, there's provision for your life. There's no accusation. There is justification for your life. There's no condemnation because God Himself sent His Son. He died, but the cross couldn't keep Him. He rose again. He reigned forevermore. He's seated at the right hand of God, interceding for you and I, representing us. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, for Jesus Himself is our representative, our Lord, our everything. Can you say Amen? Amen. And now Paul goes on one more. Verse 35, he says, and here's another good one, there's no separation. There's no separation. Now we got to our text. Amen. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? The question. Shall trouble or hardship, persecution or famine or nakedness, danger, sword? As it is written, and Paul's quoting the Psalms, as it is written, <laughs> for your sake, we face death all the day long. Man, we look like we're, we're sheep to be slaughtered. And Paul says we might look that way, but that's not the way it is. Because verse 37 starts out with, no! We're not sheep to be slaughtered. We're sheep that are conquering. Because in all these things, what things? All those hard, terrible things he just listened. In all those things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. And Paul says, I hope you can say it, this thing is real. This thing is personal. This thing is unchanging. This thing is settled because he goes on to say, for I am convinced of this. It's not just enough to know a fact. You've got to be convinced of that fact. Amen? Your walk with God will always be backsliding and wavering until you become convinced of what you are in Jesus Christ. He says, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, angels or demons, present, Future powers, anything, anything. Height or depth, nothing can separate us. We'll be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We're conquering sheep because of the love of Jesus Christ. Paul says there's no separation for he's talking about a love that protects and a love that provides. A love that encourages us, a love that comforts us. When Paul speaks of the love of Christ, he's not talking so much about um, our love for God. He's talking in this context of God's love for us. And the emphasis is that Christ's great love for us is a safeguard. And it's a strength against the difficulties that we will and we shall and we do face in this life. You see, God's love will never fail His people. Regardless of how things might appear, we can find a great courage and a comfort and a strength in the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And again, we are conquering sheep because the love of God is, number one, it's a strong and powerful love. It won't let us go. Nothing can snatch us out of His hand. 
But secondly, we'll see in our text, it's a transforming love. It's an enabling love. It's a love that has been shed abroad in our hearts. It's a love that by the Spirit of God has given us a new birth and it gives us a power to live this life not just barely getting by one step forward to, but more than conquerors is how God chose to describe the people that He loved. And not only that, it's a proven love if you really know Christ. It's a love not just that we've heard about. It's not a second-hand deal by any stretch. It is something we have personally experienced and we testify today. This is not a religious theory. This is not some kind of sweet philosophy. You and I, I know most of you are like me, and I can agree with Paul. I am convinced of the love of God and nothing's going to change me about it. Can you say amen? Number one, number one. A strong or a powerful love. Paul begins 35 and he says, Who shall separate us from the love of God? And he lists many hardships and difficulties, trials, things in life that we can't always avoid. And we see in verses 35 and 36 that that Paul is writing from personal experience. All of these things he mentions, he has faced. He has been opposed by these things. He has had to endure these things for the calling and the cause of Christ. Yet he confidently tells the people in Rome, he says, listen, through all of those things, he had never been separated from the love of God, and neither will you. And neither will you. You know, men's love doesn't always abide. Men's love doesn't always endure. It's not always sincere and lasting, oh friend, but the love of God for His people. It is as eternal as God is. It won't fail you. It won't forsake you. You might not be perfect, but that love will abide. You might fall somewhere along the way, but that love will abide. You might get a bad report, but His love will abide. Others might walk out and you forsake you, but the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, it abideth forever. It's a secure thing. It's a consistent thing. You can bank on it. You can lean on it. When it seems like everything's going every other way, this one thing you can know, the love of God is still here. The love of Jesus is still upon me. And he that began a good work in me, he shall bring it forth. Can you say amen? Came across an article entitled, Would You Still Love Me? Reminded me of the love of people at times. Wealthy old man had just recently married a lovely young lady. You know that spells trouble. But anyhow, no. I I said, I I don't want to start any problems now. I didn't didn't scan the audience with my eyes. All right. So, but you know, somewhere along the way, he began to wonder, uh, maybe, maybe she just married him for his money. Amen. I never had that problem, never had any money, so I never had to worry about that. But, but anyhow, and yeah. And so he gets up the courage and he asks her, if I lost all my money, would you still love me? And now she said reassuringly, oh honey, don't be silly. Of course I would still love you, and I'd also miss you terribly. Amen. I said, I said yeah. I said, yeah, that, that's the love of man, is it not? Amen. It, it's firm today. It's not so firm tomorrow. It's here today with promises. It forgets. It gets amnesia tomorrow. But the love of God, the love of God, oh glory be to God, nothing shall separate that love from His people. And, and here Paul, he, he lists. Seven things, and we'll only just touch a little bit on the first one. 
And Paul's saying all these things. You might look at these things and say, where is the love of God? Paul says it's right there. But, but, but if you're going through that, does that mean God's love is forsaking you? Don't you believe that for a moment? The love of God for His people is as eternal and everlasting as God is. And these things don't separate us from God's love. If anything, if you can recognize it, these things cause that love to wrap us a little tighter, hold us a little closer, talk to us a little more compassionate and gentle when we need it. God's love is stronger than the pressures and the pains and the persecutions of life. He starts out by saying, shall trouble or shall tribulation, shall the pressures of life. You see that word trouble or tribulation, depending on what you have. It's the Greek word we talk about from time to time called philipsis. And that Greek word speaks of great pressure, great squeezing, being put under almost unbearable pressure. And Paul's beginning to say, number one, there is no pressure so strong that it can push you beyond the reach of God's love and God's care and God's concern and God's provision for your life. And it's also where tribulation, that's kind of interesting word, not only does it speak of pressure, but it speaks of kind of being worked over. Because that word tribulation comes from that old Latin word to mean a threshing, threshing sledge. Where, you know, like behind a plow, you'd throw, it would go over the grain and separate the wheat. And Paul's saying, you know, there are times in life, not only that you are feeling pressure, but it feels like life is just working you over. And Paul says, no matter what the pressure is, and no matter when you feel like life is just working you over and God's not doing a thing about it, even in those times, don't you ever doubt the love of God. Even those things cannot separate the love and the care and the concern of God from His people. Even in those times, nothing can separate us from God's love, for it's the power of that love that trouble and trial cannot dislodge. Trouble and trial cannot cause Him to somehow forget us or abandon us. God's love will never flee. God's strength within the believer will never fail. So trust in that love. Recognize it's an abiding love. It's a sustaining love. And that love won't fail you. And that love will never let you down. Can you say amen? Understanding that love is something that keeps the child of God moving and pressing and walking. When others want to give in to the frustration, they're still singing. When others give in to the lies of the devil of doubting and despairing and feeling like they're abandoned, you see, you can't always walk by your feeler. you got to walk by your faith. Can you say amen? And I might feel like God, come on, He took a wrong turn somewhere, but faith says that cannot be so. He'll never leave me and He'll never forsake me. i never forget, and I always loved that story. And Brother Shambach, back in his um, pastoral days, he said, I went to a hospital to visit one of my older ladies and I saw the doctor in the hallway we knew each other on a personal basis. And I said, how's she doing, Doc? And he looked and he said, Bob, if she would have been any other woman, she would have been dead two weeks ago. He stopped. He kind of hit the doctor and said, Doc, 
You, you hit the nail right on the head. If she was any other woman, I got news for you. She's not any other woman. She's a child of God. She's got something in her that the world don't have. She can handle a little bit more pressure. She can walk a little further. She can endure a little more. Why? Because greater is He that's within us than he that's in the world. And there might be a pressure on the outside, but i got good news for you. If you're born again, you've got a greater pressure on the inside that'll keep you going, that'll keep you strong. You might get weary, but you won't break down. You might get tired, but God will breathe a fresh breath of His grace to keep you going. You might even get knocked down, but you don't got to stay down. God says, get back up. Let me breathe fresh life and then get back in the battle again. Hallelujah! Glory to God! The pressures of life, they are real. The, 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 the times where we feel like um, they're relentless and they're crushing. But you and I possess a power. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead that dwells in us. That keeps us strong and keeps us enduring until that battle is over. It's that love of God for us and the power of God's presence within us that enables us to endure and keep going. To keep singing, to keep praising, to keep trusting, to keep walking. Somebody say Amen. Let's look at a couple of verses very quickly. Psalms 32 and verse 10. Psalm 32 and verse 10. Because, number one, we are conquering sheep because of the great love of God. And that love is a strong and powerful love. It's a love that will never fail us or forsake us. Nothing can separate us from it. He will not let us go. Psalmist writes, Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man that trusts Him. This love will not fail you. He said it again. Others might fail you. Others might forsake you. But God says, My love for My people will never fail them, forsake them. Can you say praise the Lord? Psalm 100 and verse 5. Psalm 100 and verse 5. Again, for the Lord is good and His love endures forever. His faithfulness through all generations the love of the God that we serve is an unfailing love and it is an enduring love. It's a love that will continue to give us the grace we need for every step, for every storm, for every trial, for every tribulation. Again, it's a love that is committed and secure through the thick and thin, through the better or the worse. So different than the love of man. I came across another article this week. Whew. There was a girl by the name of Maria. We don't have any Marias, do we? But I uh, don't. All right. There was a girl. I'm safe then. Then there was a girl named Maria. She broke up with Jimmy. Poor Jimmy. She told him she just just didn't want to be with him anymore. She wasn't feeling the love. You know what I mean? She wasn't feeling the love. But after about a year, I mean, after about a year being broken up out of the blue, somehow the spark got sparked again. She wrote him a letter. Oh, Jimmy, I miss you real bad. <laughs> oh, I miss you so much. Jimmy, I, can't, I think about you all the time. I can't get you off my mind. I just don't want to be apart. I, I think I, we should regroup. We should, we should um, reconnect. Let's get back together, Jimmy. I miss you. P.S. Congratulations on winning the $10 million lottery last week. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> you see that? You see? You see? Men's love, men's love is fickle. You see? Isn't that right? It's inconsistent and insincere, but God's love is firm. And God's love is faithful. And God's love is pure. 
And God's love is powerful. I'm thankful for the love of God this morning. Anybody else? Amen. Paul says that we are conquering sheep. We are conquering sheep. We are sheep, but we're conquering sheep. Because number one, the love of God is a strong and powerful love that will hold us in the palm of His hand. And all the hardships and trials and the battles of life cannot take us out of the hand of our Savior and our King. And that love for His people is enduring as God Himself. But secondly, it's not only a strong and powerful love, it's a transforming, it's an enabling love. That's verse 37. Paul goes on. He says, no, 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 no. He quotes, he quotes Psalm 44 about being sheep led to slaughter. He says, no, that's not a picture of us at all. It might feel that way. At times you might, you know, get a pity party for yourself and think that way, but no, 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 no. In fact, the fact is in verse 37, in, in all these things, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through Him that loved us. This is an enabling love through this love and through Him that loved us. What does Paul mean when he refers to believers as more than conquerors? Now, this is important. I'm going to pause here. This is a a description. On Wednesday nights and Sunday nights when we teach, especially when we're dealing with disciples and growing and maturing in the faith, we talk often about the importance of being a man or woman of the Word. You're not committed to the Word. You're not going very far in your Christian experience. A man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word. Amen? And it's the Word that we need. But in the Word, we talk about how important it is. Now, there's commandments that we need to obey. Amen? There's commandments that we obey. But there's also promises that we need to believe. We found out through the Word there are principles that we have to apply and we build our lives. But there's also descriptions A lot of people miss this. That reveal to us, this is how God sees His people, and this is how you need to see yourself. And as you begin to see yourself as God sees you, not as Daddy talked about you, or not as the ex said about you, but as you begin to see yourself as God has declared you to be, believing that, you begin to walk a little more confident. You begin to have a little more firm footing in your life. Can you say Amen. He said, now, now God said that you are more than conquerors. Think about it in the midst of those things. Now, the phrase here is actually a translation of one Greek word. More than conquerors. Three English for one Greek. And it's the word um, hypernikamen. Hypernikamen. Like hyper-Nike. And the Nike sneakers, well, they're, they're named after it's, it's the Greek goddess of victory. That's what Nike means, if you didn't know that. And hyper, we know hyper, right? Overactive. Right? Hyper. Over and above. Anyway, he says, more than conquerors. See, hyper. He's saying, overcome, you have victory. Hyper, over and above, when you put it together. Paul says, as a child of God, you have not just a conqueror, but over and above victory. You are, believers are hyper victorious. Believers are super conquerors. It's a strong expression. Again, verse 37. Paul says, no. You might feel like a sheep led to the slaughter. You might feel like these hardships and trials have separated you from God's love, but that's not the truth at all. In fact, God still looks at His people even when they're going through these trials. And He says, in all those things, not after they pass, not as we avoid them and do everything we can to ignore them, but in the midst of them, as we're battling through them, He says, in all these things, we are more 
than conquerors through Him who loved us. Wow. This is a verse that is strong in its expression, but it's what God wants you and I to understand and believe and to live it. He says, as I see my people, and I see my spirit within you, and my blood upon you, and my seal over your life, I see you as more than a conqueror. In Jesus Christ, we're not just conquerors. Hey Amen. I'd be content just to be a conqueror. But the Bible says we are more than conquerors. We're not just gaining victory, man. We're taking the spoils and we're advancing in God. And, and, and now this is a present tense, so mark that down. He's not talking about one glad morning. No, 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 this glad morning. The context is present tense, not future tense. We are at present more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Through that love. That great love of Jesus Christ that brought that salvation to us. It's not merely just a love that holds this poor pathetic thing. No, no. It's a love that takes weak sheep and makes us mighty conquerors of God. It's a love that makes us new creatures. It's a love that gives us a power from on high to walk this walk and to fight this good fight of faith, to face the objects of life, not denying them, not running from them, but trusting God and believing God, putting on the whole armor of God, taking our stand and watching God perform wonders in our lives. Can you say amen? Now, I know some of you struggle with this. You look at yourself and, I'm a loser. I'm, 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 I'm dumb. I'm fat. I'm this. I'm that. He left me. That one. But God says it's time to get rid of some stinking thinking. And it's time to get back to believing what I said about you. Did I make this up? Did anyone read verse 37? You can't trust a preacher. You've got to read it in your own book. You don't know what they throw on you, man. They throw anything out there. Is it, did I read the right? Is that in your book? Did God say you're more than a conqueror? God said that, didn't He? God can't lie, can He? Does God, doesn't God know who you are? And He still says you're more than a conqueror because He sees Jesus in you. Woo! Amen? He didn't ask you if you had an ordination paper, did He? He didn't ask you if you knew Greek, Hebrew, or Italian, did He? No, no, no. He just said, when I see the blood, I see my spirit. You are more than a conqueror. Oh, hallelujah! My Lord, have mercy. Like I said, just being a conqueror, I'd settle for that. God says you're more than a conqueror. I never forget a simple story that described this. A simple story. It was it was back back it was some years ago, and there was a heavyweight boxing match. But it wasn't one of those guaranteed purses. It was a winner take all deal. That's it. Either you win, or you get nothing. And it was like a ten million dollar purse. Ten million dollar purse. This was back twenty thirty years ago. Pretty good money. Still good money. Amen. Two heavyweights, two heavy, man, they went 15 rounds. I mean, they stood toe-to-toe. They went at it, taking blows, delivering blows. I mean, they were bloodied. They were beat. Again, winner take all. Finally, at the, after 15 rounds, one prevailed the winner. Arm was raised, beaten, bloodied. Check was given, $10 million. He's a conqueror. Amen. Big old six-foot-three, 250-pound warrior. And then he went home. Went through that door to his little old five-foot cute wife and said, here, honey, here's the check. She's more than a conqueror. Can you say amen? 
Amen. Amen. That's kind of like us, isn't it? Jesus went to that cross. He went toe-to-toe with that devil. Kicked the end out of that tomb. He rose mighty victorious. And then He gives us the victory. He gives us the victory. He gives us the victory. Hallelujah. Transforming love through Him that loved us. See, it's not in myself. It's not in my ability to believe and all that. It's through Christ who lives in me, who lives in you. That God says, now you're more than a conqueror. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Mm. Sheep that conquer. One writer put it like this, this love and this salvation, so strong, so encouraging, so life transforming, that we are enabled not just to hold on, but to triumph over. Not just to barely make it through, but to mightily succeed in this great fight of faith. Because of Jesus' great love, and the salvation He has given us, we're not just conquerors. We are more than conquerors in the face of all life's tests and trials. Again, in all these things, not outside them or apart from them. It's all through Him who loved us. Galatians 2 and verse 20. Hallelujah. Oh, the transforming, enabling love of God. This love is wonderful. This love is wonderful. God's love is a transforming love. Since we've met that love, it's made us brand new. Has it not? Since we really met that love and Him who loved us, it made us new creatures. Paul says, here's a key to successful Christian living, understanding the love of God and allowing Him who gave that love to enter your heart. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. This is Paul. Paul says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Help me out here. Everybody say, Christ lives in me. Let's say it again. Christ lives in me. Woo! Man. Isn't that good? But you know, we look at ourselves and we just say, oh man, I got a D on that test and I don't look, I'm getting, I don't look like I used to. Not that I ever was, but you know what I mean. We, but you know, and the devil can jump on that. The old nature. We look at ourselves and we... We look at our scenario, but then we look and say, oh, no, no, it's Jesus right. within me. Amen. Jesus is within me. Amen. Amen. So the I can is because he's within me. That's right. But Christ lives in me. Therefore, Paul says, the life I live in the body, the life I live day by day, I live it by faith in the Son of God. Here it is, who loved me and gave himself for me. Hallelujah. This great love of God is a transforming love. It's enabling love. Oh, bless His name. Bless His name. And it's through Him that you and I can. We can. David understood this. That's why he wrote in the Psalms, By my God, by my God, I can run through a troop and leap over the walls. I can deal with opposition. I can face things that try to resist. I can defeat the challenges of life, not in my strength, but in the strength of my God who is... For me and with me and it lives within me. And that's when Paul wrote those beautiful words in Philippians. He says, we can do, I can do all things through Christ. He gives me strength. And he wasn't merely talking about, he's talking about I can be content in every scenario of life. He's saying I can endure properly. I can handle the ups and the downs, the mountaintops and the valleys. And I can keep my Christian joy. I can keep my Christian composure. 
and character and consistency. Not because I'm something, but because He that is within me gives me the strength to do so. He that loved me and found me when I was lost, He hasn't abandoned me and He's with me. And that grace is always sufficient for me. Hallelujah. We're conquering sheep because of the great love of God. And it's a love that's a strong and powerful love. God's love won't let you go. You might be here today and sometimes you disappear for months at a time but you make a mistake. Listen, you make a mistake, don't disappear. Just come to the altar and say, Lord, forgive me. And the Lord said, yes, I will forgive you. Get back in there. Amen. Because the devil says, see, God can't love you. Look what you just did. And that's true. God's not pleased when we do things we shouldn't do. But even when we mess up, he's still holding us. Amen. That's the devil that tries to say, because you weren't perfect, God doesn't love you anymore. That's not God's love. That's a fickle kind of a, you know, I don't know what kind of love that is, but that's not a God love. See, when you're his child, even when you miss the mark, he won't abandon you. He He wants you to come back and make it right. Get cleaned up, but keep marching on. See, it's the love of God. It's a strong love. And it's a transforming love through Him that loved us. This the one that loved us and died for us by His Spirit has now come to live within us. And He makes me more than a conqueror. It doesn't mean I can avoid hardship, trials, tribulations. Paul says, no, Paul was a great apostle. He went through all those things and then some. So in this side of eternity, we go through stuff. But even then, God says, I love you. And my love and my spirit within you gives you the strength to overcome those things. You can go through those things. They won't outlast you. You will outlast them by the power of the spirit within you. And and lastly, verse 38 and 39, this is beautiful. It's a proven and it's a personally experienced love. Let's look at this together. Paul writes in verse 38, For I am convinced. This This is a precious word here. I am convinced. Some of y'all have persuaded. But actually convinced is actually even a, a better translation than that. It takes it even to another level. You know, I can have a, I know a truth. I can be persuaded of the truth. But then really to be convinced of that truth is a whole other level. And Paul says it's important to be convinced about the love of God. Because if I'm really convinced about it, it will keep me going when others fall aside. It will keep me believing even when life looks like things aren't working as they should. It'll keep me getting up when everything says just give up and it's no use. The love of God, being convinced of that love, knowing that God is not rejecting me. God has not abandoned me. But God, even in my worst moments, is still loving me and reaching towards me and calling me onward in Him. Amen. For I am convinced, Paul says, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, angels or demons, Things present, the future, any powers, height, depth, nor anything else in all creation. So I'm convinced about this. It's settled. And that's where God wants all of us to get to. None of these things will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow. This love for me, and I know for most of you, has been personally experienced. And I am eternally convinced of it. It's not just a religious theory or a human philosophy. It's not a second-hand deal that Mama has. No, it's something I got. Amen? It's something you have got to have. It's like Paul, when Paul wrote in 2 Timothy uh, um, 1 and um, and 12, where, where he says, I know 
in whom I have believed in. And I am convinced, I am fully persuaded that He's able to keep until that day. We're talking about coming to a place of not merely just hearing about the love of God from time to time, having been touched by the love of God, but coming to that place where my faith is fully convinced about the sincerity and the consistency and the purity and the power of that love of God. And in my being convinced of that, it does something transforming in my life. It gives me a grace and a strength to live this life like those that don't truly understand this love. This is a surety that assures us is more than instruction. It is born out of personal experience. And it is forever settled. We are persuaded and we are convinced. Because of this, we got confidence. Because of this, we keep from giving up. Because of this, we praise Him even when we can't understand Him. Paul says, I'm convinced that nothing is able to separate us from the love of God. And in fact, the way it's written, verse 38, I have become and I remain convinced of. Perfect tense. A past action with a continuing result in the present. Paul says, I came. What he's saying is, Paul learned the truth of God's love somewhere. In the past, like most of us have. And then he had it proven to him over and over as he walked with God through life. He experienced it till he became convinced of it. And it became settled. And many of us here this morning, we can testify of such a personal experience. Can we not? You know, it's kind of like prayer. If you grew up in the church, you, you were taught prayer. Right? How high? Taught prayer. Most of us that grew up in this thing. Early I'm kneeling by the side of your bed praying. Amen? I mean, you're barely big enough to sit in the Sunday school chair, right? When you can barely sit in the chair. When they finally get you out of the nursery, your first class, Sunday school teacher, we're going to pray. In Jesus, everything in Jesus. In Jesus, we'll be praying. Amen? You're at home. Your parents teach you to pray. Some of your first pray, right? We were taught it. Isn't that true? We read about it. Didn't we not? But as we lived for God, those of you that are walking with God, we became convinced of it. We became convinced of its need and convinced of its power. Can you say amen? Somewhere along the line, when you finally started stepping out on your own, many of these things that we heard about and we were taught about, we became convinced of as God proved Himself to us again and again. And we knew this just wasn't for grandma. This just wasn't a once in a lifetime thing. We found out this thing is real. This thing is God. We became convinced of it. And here, Paul is saying this about the love of God. He's saying, I believe nothing will separate me from it. And Paul went through trials like you and I wouldn't believe. He says, I know God will never forsake me. His love will not fail me. His grace will always be sufficient for me. And Paul's persuasion is not only the result of his knowledge of God's truth, but it's also the product of his own experience. Have you experienced the love of God? Have you experienced that love enough that you're convinced of that love and you're settled and firm and fully persuaded in the love of God? That no matter what comes your way, you know God loves you. You know God won't abandon you. You know God is with you. Because you can see when you listen to the, when you read the list of what Paul said in the natural man, it's easy to say that doesn't equate to that. But God says you can't look at it through the natural. Those things might look naturally like that love is somewhere else. But even in those things, my love won't fail you, won't forsake you, won't falter. 
When I become convinced of that, that I'll never doubt His love, I'll never doubt His care. And whatever life throws my way, I'll just keep trusting Him, leaning on Him, and serving Him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Paul was certain. You see, there's a difference between knowing a truth and really experiencing the truth and becoming convinced of it. Paul was certain. So am I. Anyone convinced here? May we be completely convinced concerning God's love that nothing can separate it from us. Psalm 13 and verse 5. Psalm 13 and verse 5. This is so wonderful how the psalmist speaks of it. But I trust. But I am convinced. But I am fully settled in Your unfailing love. In the context, people are accusing Him. And life is hurling challenges at Him. And people are saying, God's not with you. And you're going to falter. And they're making all this. But the response of the psalmist, but I am convinced. I trust in Your unfailing love. And whatever comes our way, you and I that have been convinced of it, we just walk on through it. Convinced. He that brought us there hasn't abandoned us. And He's going to take care of us. And His loving arms will be there for us to lean on. Hallelujah. We are conquering sheep because of the love of God and the One who loved us. And for those of us that truly believe, this is not just a theory. It's a reality that we have lived and we presently experience. And may this truth always be a source of courage and comfort, strength, as you continue your walk of faith. It's changed us. It's kept us. And it will continue to keep us. Amen. We're going to take communion now. The Bible talks about how we love God because He first loved us. And we take communion. It's a reminder. And it communicates to us the great love and sacrifice of God for you and I. There's no better picture. This is the picture He gave us to remember His salvation and remember His great love. And when I think about the cross, I always I say this often, but it just makes sense to me. If He loved me that much when I was a rebellious sinner, trying to run from Him, knowing better but choosing how much more now that He knows I'm serving Him and I'm loving Him. If He loved me that much, what love? What love? Romans 5 and verse 8. Amen. Paul writes, but God demonstrated, exhibited, proved, expressed His own love for us. This is the power, the beauty, the wonder, the wonder of this love. While we were yet still sinners, not when we were trying to make things right, not when we were somehow trying to get our act together, can you see that the love of God in its foolish expression and its sincerity? But God demonstrates, God expressed His love for you and I that while we were still sinners. Wow. Wow. That's when Christ died for us. Oh my. Hmm. Communion pictures, reminds and communicates to us the great love of God and the salvation He's given. We're going to take communion. Please, 
If things aren't where they need to be between you and God, don't reject his love. Receive his love. Respond to his love. He knocks on the door of your heart. And he says, I'll forgive you if you come clean. I'll restore you if you'll come back. Don't doubt my love. It's here just waiting for your response. But Lord, but Lord, but Lord, but Lord, while we were still sinners, he died and expressed that love. And so no matter where you're at today, he's just looking for your response. You don't got to go home and get cleaned up. You probably never come back. He's asking for your decision and your surrender to receive his love and to respond to his love. As we partake, let's meditate and think upon this great love and let's respond by loving him. And I pray that if you're here today and you're a believer, you're a Christian, but maybe for whatever reason, your background, maybe had some natural relationships that were inconsistent, kind of wishy-washy, and you have problems trusting, I want you to know you you can't trust anything else. You can trust the love of God. That's one thing. You can't, we can't be convinced if any of us are going to make it across the street. We don't know what the next 30 seconds hold. But I'll tell you what, we can be convinced of the love of God. Respond to that love. Receive that love. Hallelujah. Men, why don't you come and serve the people? And let's worship the Lord as they do.
I was sitting, the Lord impressed on my heart two things. I won't expound, but I want to be faithful and share them. Number one, forgive yourself. Number two, forgive God. It's one thing to understand forgiveness. It's another thing to receive forgiveness. It's one thing to understand that God, you know, to know God loves me, but it's another thing to really receive that love, really allow that love to be a certain thing and a lasting thing. And some struggle receiving God's best because of various things. But the Lord said, number one, forgive yourself. Even if it was your fault, if it's under the blood, it's over. Forgive yourself. God said, forgive yourself. Jesus went to the cross because of all the dumb things, sinful things I did. And he thoroughly paid the price so it doesn't have to be paid again. So a person doesn't have to beat themselves over and over on a mistake that Jesus paid for. So the Lord just wants to remind someone that forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. I mean, you might have been the guilty party. You, you, you might have been the innocent one, but forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. And secondly, forgive God. I know that sounds strange and wrap our minds around it theologically, but forgive God. Sometimes we won't say that, but we feel that. Because ultimately, he's God. Why didn't he? Why couldn't he? Shouldn't he? And we might not articulate it, but somewhere in the heart there really is. I'm still holding a grudge against God. And we have to learn to forgive God. Because that, that, brings, that brings a damning into the flow of God's grace in our lives. There's this relationship of the love of God, the mercy of God, the presence of God, the river of God that flows into our lives. But things like that seem to clog it up. So just those are just two things God impressed on my heart. Take it. Respond to it. Amen. Now, on the night that the Lord Jesus was betrayed, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. And number one, he took the bread. He took the bread. And he gave thanks and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The body that Jesus, the Lamb of God, willingly surrendered to be beaten, to be abused, to be whipped for you and for me. And we give him thanks that he offered himself in our place that we might be healed physically, emotionally, spiritually. Heavenly Father, we thank you we remember, we give thanks for the body of the Lord Jesus, for the Lamb of God that willingly gave himself over to be beaten and abused, to be afflicted, that we might be healed and we might be made whole. Lord Jesus, we love you and we thank you and we express our love and we receive this marvelous grace this morning in Jesus' name. Let's partake together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Then afterwards, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. 
He said, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And we know that this represents his blood shed for you and I. Because in the economy of God, and God makes the rules, amen, there is nothing that can forgive sins apart from blood. But not just any old blood. For a long time, God allowed people to sacrifice animals just to give them a picture, to kind of teach them that blood was required. But there's really only one blood that is worthy and acceptable as the agent of forgiveness and redemption, and that's the blood of Jesus Christ. And Jesus shed his blood, and he did it that you and I might be forgiven. He shed his blood that we might be redeemed and purchased back to God and that we might be forgiven of all of our sins and transgressions. So we say, Lord Jesus, we do remember your great love and how you demonstrated it on the cross by shedding your blood that we might be forgiven. Lord, we're so thankful this morning to be forgiven. We're so thankful that when we lay our heads on the pillow at night, there is no condemnation, there's no accusation, there is no guilt or shame. Because your blood has cleansed it and covered it all. And when you see us, you see us as pure and undefiled. And we thank you for your blood. And we remember your sacrifice. And we honor your sacrifice. And we will forever give you praise and glory because of it. In Jesus' name, let's partake and be thankful for the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, and God, good to us. Hallelujah. This is what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to make it. We're going to, um, you can keep playing. That sounds good. Amen. I'm going to close in prayer. I'm going to go across the street. We're going to picnic. Look, if you could just do this. Could, could, you, could you just sing it one time through? And We love him because he first loved us. And he loved us, didn't he? We found out today how he loved us. So can we just take just a, a little bit and just love him back for a bit? Before we go and, 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 and picnic and eat and all that good stuff, but can we just pause and even if it's just for a minute, just, just begin to love him and just thank him. If you need prayer, please come down and we'll pray with you. You might need physical touch. You might need something else, someone to pray with you. You're invited. Um, if you're here today and you've never really responded to that love of God in a genuine way and you want to, please come down. Someone will talk with you. Someone will pray with you. Would you stand, please? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your great love and we give you praise for it always. We thank you, Lord, that it wasn't because you saw anything in us, per se, but you chose to love us to bless us, to embrace us, and to honor us. And now, Lord, those of us that know you and have your love should have brought in our hearts. We want to take this time just to bless you and praise you and love you. Lord, as we sing, receive it as our expression of gratitude and honor for all you've done and who you are. In Jesus' name, and everyone said... Let's bless the Lord. If you need prayer, please come. God will touch you.